Hey everybody, welcome to Microphones of Madness. We're back from hey. a little hiatus. Uh, of course, I'm Rodney. Over there is Steve. How you doing? And we are returning talking about a show that's on everybody's mind right now. Lovecraft Country. This is a uh, series that was released, what, like three weeks ago? Uh, yeah. As of this recording? Yeah. Yeah, so tonight will be the third episode. Uh, it is available on HBO Max, the new AT or the standard HBO channel, I think. HBO. That's how you roll. <laughs> uh, it airs once a week, so unlike uh, the Netflix stuff that a lot of people, you know, they binge watch, uh, the HBO, HBO Max is kind of following in that DC Universe format where they're only releasing one episode per week. Right. Uh, Which just, is not surprising as they're owned by the same people. Right. Right. And and it also kind of brings that appointment viewing back to streaming. Kind of. Kind of. It's weird because you can wait to the end of it all and binge it. Right. Um, unlike watching it on HBO, you can, once the episode is up, it's up. You can watch it anytime. Mm-hmm. So you can like it's it's flexible appointment viewing because you can then watch it at your leisure. Um, yes. If you, I, I personally recommend that the first two episodes, if you're not haven't started watching it, um, they they do follow the format of the book pretty much. It seems so you well, can watch we, the first two episodes as like a movie, and then continue the series as individuals or. Yeah, I don't. We don't know if it's going to continue on as a two episode per story format, or from now on if it's going to be like the book, where the subsequent stories are shorter mm-hmm. and just have them as one episode. I guess we'll find out tonight. Right, right. Uh, we did look at Matt Ruff's book Lovecraft Country uh, some time ago. And it was like three years ago. It was like three years ago. This this show has been in development since we looked at the book. Um, I think the announcement that Jordan Peele was involved as an executive producer um, and and the possibility that he was going to direct uh, was floated around the time we looked at it, which is what caused us to take a look at the book in anticipation of the series. And here we are three years later talking about the series. <laughs> it's true. And it seems like you said earlier, everyone is talking about it. You can't turn on social media without people complaining about how it, it isn't Lovecraft or complaining about this or that. And y'all know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. Right, but you know, on the flip side of that, you have other folks who are, uh, you know, I don't know what everybody's complaining about. This show is great. And, you know, I honestly, I think I, I fall somewhere in the middle. I, I I think as well. I fall somewhere in the middle. Um, and I suspect your reasons for falling somewhere in the middle and are similar to my reasons, which are the opposite of either end of the spectrum. Right. <laughs> so, who knows? So, you, you had mentioned before we started recording that um, the first story in the book and the first arc of the series was your favorite. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yep. It's it's nice that they come out off the bat strong with this one. Right, right. Which uh, that's one of the reasons why I said watch these first two episodes. You could watch them as a movie because they do kind of seamlessly integrate and in and, and are very coherent unlike a lot of episodic television. You could have actually um, had a blockbuster one episode, two hour, one episode um, extravaganza to open the thing up and mm-hmm. hit it with a bang. Yep, you, you really could have. Um, and they tried to do that with, with the way the episode worked, is that you had uh, the big moment in uh, at the end of episode one. And we'll talk about that because a lot of people are kind of spoiling that moment and you know, bitching about that. So that's something that's uh, kind of open for us to discuss. <laughs> Sorry. I've, I've been looking forward to this. You've been looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, so the preliminary <laughs> stuff out of the way, uh, the show stars Jonathan Majors as Atticus Freeman, uh, Journey Smollett, uh, most recently from... Uh, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. She played uh, Black Canary. Uh, Courtney Vance is Uncle George Freeman, and those are the main trinity of characters that you deal with in the first three episodes. Right. They do build... uh, Well, it's kind of like the way the the book was. Mm -hmm. They... uh, <clears throat> they introduce other characters that are going to end up being um, the protagonists in other stories, right? Early on, and right. it's one of the reasons. It's one of the reasons why the first story was the longest, and uh, it is one of the reasons why this arc is a two-hour arc, mm-hmm. probably. <laughs> right, right. We might probably. be dealing with some of the fallout of this arc, like in the novel. You know, these these events that occur in these first two episodes are somewhat mentioned. There is a little bit of a that that moment kind of winds its way through the rest of the tales in Lovecraft Country. But also, the first two episodes are pretty much the the back blurb of the book as well. It's the main thrust of Lovecraft Country, right? Uh, was it the first story called Lovecraft Country? I believe so. In the book? Mm-hmm. I'll just... As I, you know, was prepping for this, I kind of semi-prepared myself for this. Semi-prepared. Semi-prepared. Well, I, <laughs> it helps if your electronics are cooperating. Right, right. Well, I mean, if we didn't, like, freestyle the whole thing, it wouldn't be us. That's right. Um, so, yes, it's called Lovecraft Country. Thank you. Yep. Now, the the premise of the first two episodes, and they, that's how they introduce the character of Atticus, is that uh, he returns home after receiving a letter from his father. He's been kind of like wandering the country. I believe in the uh, in the novel he, he was working with his uncle on the Green Book. Yeah, so his uncle is the author, publisher of... Um, it's not called the Green Book. Right, it's and, the uh, Safe Negro Travel Guide. Yeah, but it's essentially the Green Book. Um, his uncle's a publisher, and he, he he's a mechanic. 
Mm-hmm. But um, his side hustle, I guess, is he travels around the country finding uh, safe places for black people to eat, sleep, live, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Right. And at this point in time, we're talking about what, uh, the 50s, 50s, late 50s, early 60s? It's right after the Korean War. Mm-hmm. And which is very important because this is also the America that is in the height of Jim Crow and segregation. Right. It is also the America that that apparently we're trying to make great again. Right. Or Or the America that was great. I don't know. Fuck that guy. Again. Again. Right. So Atticus returns to Chicago uh, looking for his father to find out what everybody knows, starting his investigation uh, where the case actually begins in Chicago, where his father is from, where his uncle is from, uh, in his old neighborhood. So he gets back, he touches base with with his uncle, uh, touches base with his, with his aunt and his family, and some friends from the neighborhood. Um... Uh, and they really don't have too much clue as to what's what's going on. Uh, Atticus and his father Montrose uh, do not get along well. They're very they're estranged. Um, he was not a fan. Montrose was not a fan of Atticus joining the army to fight in Korea, and he was an abusive father who was the son of an abusive father. The son of a son. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> Um, without rehashing the plot of the episode, because we did this three years ago, mm-hmm. um, this follows the first story in the book fairly closely. There are a few discrepancies um, that are s- kind of spoilers, so we're not really going to go into that. Right. Um, and I, I don't know why that... I'm sure there's a, a uh, reason. Maybe it's budgetary. Maybe they could, uh, you know, shrink the amount of characters, blah, 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 stuff like that. Happens all the time. Right. But it is as much of a faithful telling of this story um, as you can get, mm-hmm. uh, given time constraints of television and everything. It's like almost beat for beat. Uh, yep. The same exact story. Mm-hmm. With some minor changes, which I always like that. Mm-hmm. That that is, I I love adaptations where where the uh, writers respect the source material and don't make it fan fiction. Or and I'm or, sorry, a lot of people disagree with me, and you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> Have respect for for the source material. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, it does have respect for the source material. Um, however, it is not necessary to go into this with a knowledge of the source material or the secondary material that the story references. Um, Atticus is a big fan of pulp fiction and weird fiction, and there are a lot of name drops of stories throughout um, the these first two episodes. Uh, you know, you hear Lovecraft's name dropped. You don't really need to be familiar with Lovecraft's stories to enjoy or watch the show. 
Which um, is fantastic. Right. Uh, fun little Easter egg I like is uh, that Mon- um, that Atticus is reading Princess of Mars throughout the entire first two episodes. I think that was his favorite book in 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 the novel. The in the novel, so yeah, right. But yeah, a lot of weird fiction luminaries get get name dropped. Um, there are a lot. Of, <coughs> Arkham House gets a lot of name recognition as well as seems like every edition they pick up is Arkham House edition. <laughs> right. Well, now that's kind of the whole premise of of the book. And the series, mm-hmm. um, you know, the 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 issue, the problem is, is they use the name Lovecraft in the title, mm-hmm. and we've also had this discussion before because it sells, right? Have but... you called it Bradbury Country mm-hmm. and had them go to Illinois? It probably wouldn't have uh, shaken. As, or or as, Smith as, Country and had him go to California or right. Howard turn, Country. Turn, exactly. Turned as many um, heads. But the, the premise is is Atticus and his uncle and his father to a certain degree are huge. And his aunt and, and all these people, really, the, the characters, are fans of the pulps and mm-hmm. science fiction stories and action stories and each of the 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 short stories in the in the book take a different um, genre mm-hmm. and put these characters in a situation typical of that genre and flip some of the tropes right um, so calling it lovecraft lovecraft country is a little bit of a misnomer sort of um, which is compounded by the fact, and this is why a lot of people on um, Facebook Lovecraft groups are complaining, because the first story called Lovecraft Country is not very Lovecraftian. No, no, it's a little bit it's, more like a Poe story. It's actually more like if Aleister Crowley was real mm-hmm. and was a raging racist Right, right. <laughs> this is what would happen. <laughs> right, which which is why I kind of say that sort of is is a, that Lovecraft Country sort of being a misnomer because Lovecraft Country is used in a couple of different contexts within the story. Uh, we mentioned that this this entire series takes place during segregation in the height of Jim Crow, and. It does not shy away from the fact that Lovecraft was an unabashed racist. No, they say that. Mm-hmm. They uh, they read from the, the, the big poem. Right. On yep. the creation of the N-word. Right. And they talk about that, and in, in, in it lends that context when, when Atticus looks at his Uncle George and says... You know, we're going to this place. It's in Lovecraft country. You know, there is that kind of weight to it. Talking about Lovecraft's views on race and going to an area where they suspect that those views on race are held very strongly. 
Yes, but you also mentioned, we both mentioned different authors, and they were all had racial issues. Yes. I mean, just Pulp Fiction, people pick on Lovecraft, and rightly so. But Pulp Fiction, in general, and science fiction, and sword and sorcery, and fantasy, and mm. all of those genres uh, have deep roots in racism. Yes, they do. But... Lovecraft's name just shines above it all in terms of he was maybe he was the most virulent racist of them all. Who knows? Well, you know, his but, name is attached to that poem. Well, and as he's also a big draw. I mean, these yeah. days, Lovecraft sells. So you're putting that name, Lovecraft Country, in the title. It's the same thing way back when, one of our first episodes when we did Cthulhu Lies Dreaming. Mm-hmm. If you remember that... Not a lot of those stories were Cthulhu stories, you know. Right. Some of some of them were really good weird tales. Some of them weren't Lovecraftian at all. But Cthulhu was there, and you know why? Because it sold books. Because Cthulhu sells exactly. So you call it Lovecraft Country because it sell. It's going to sell more than calling it uh, Campbell Country or Howard Country, right? Or whatever country, you know. Right. That's just the that's just the fact. If it was made in the eighties, calling it Conan Country might have been, um, you know, what would sell the damn thing. Well, yeah, so, but um, I don't know. Conan Country would probably be an entirely different kind of show. <laughs> yeah, they'd be going to uh, to Thirty Rock and sitting in on um, on late night. Yeah, or or Atticus George and Letitia would find themselves. Uh, transported back to the Hyborian age. Which is a possibility in this book. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the kind of stories that we have. All I'm saying is that that the people who are getting bent out of shape because it's called Lovecraft Country, just calm the fuck down. It's there to pull you in because Lovecraft sells. That's not the premise. The premise is it's like an homage to the pulps with the the uh, acknowledgement that, pardon me, that these guys are racist, these authors are racist. There's like some some hard racism ingrained in their in their books, and this addresses that. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you're gonna get pissed off about something, at least get pissed off about something correctly, right? And and also, it's like, where were you guys five years ago when when the novel came out? You know, did you guys? I think you, guys you had like a lot of the same. Well, I mean, they didn't. They didn't. Uh, no, these are people that don't read. <laughs> I'm sorry, but once it comes on HBO, it's fair game, man. But you know, you know, who gives a shit about a book? Nobody reads a book that was written in the past decade. Nobody reads anymore. Come on. That's sad. That's really sad. Um, so, yeah. Now, one of the things that, that was particularly intriguing about the show itself was seeing some of the sequences from the novel uh, play out. And they were a lot more tense visually than in, um, in the novel. Uh, for example, I would say the... Uh, 
Uncle George, why? Tell me again why the White House was painted white. Yes, the, the that that chasing out of the diner was very very intense. Yep, it was very intense. Um, it was actually probably the most um, exciting scene in the first episode. Mm-hmm. And the Sundown County scene was particularly intense, and in fact, that was probably the most horror, horror moment in that series, in that episode. Uh, even when compared to the actual horror moment that well, people would expect from the show, this particular sequence played out with that much more horror and the fact that it is relevant today is well, even, makes actual. it even more horrific. The actual horror scene was kind of weak, to be honest with you. Right. Uh, yeah, because it was pretty... We'll talk about that in just a second, but but right now, I want to just, you know, talk about the, the horror of the sundown sequence, because that is a very tense scene. Uh, our main actors really, uh, really played that one up. Uh, it was, it was tense, it was sweaty... And, I mean, you knew kind of what was going to happen if you had read the book, but still, it made the sequence still tense. Uh, you know, it's like I knew what was going to happen once they escaped the county, but it was still probably one of the more intense sequences in the in the show. I agree. And I, I, and I thought it was well shot as well. With the with the constant you know panning out the driver's window of the car to where the sun is in the sky, mm-hmm. and and the the constant refrains of how much time is there, how much time is there? Yeah, so I mean, you kind of have to give context to this now because you're talking about it, and nobody who hasn't watched it or read it knows what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you kind of have to give context now, which could be a spoiler. So. Here you go. Well, it's it's the the main characters, George, Atticus, and Letitia, are searching for Artem, Massachusetts, uh, which is not on any map. So they are patrolling the back roads, and they get stopped by the notorious sheriff of this county, uh, who has a file. One third of his file is about an inch and a half thick, uh, coming of complaints to the NAACP about this guy's behavior um it also was preferenced earlier in the show that this particular area of massachusetts there are a lot of missing persons reports um people just disappearing without a trace and then you have the the implication that this sheriff and his deputies are probably behind a lot of it and they are stopped at the side of the road trying to get their bearings when the sheriff himself pulls up behind them. It is late afternoon. And it is late afternoon. Um, the sheriff, you know, informs them that, you know, this is a sundown county and you don't want to get caught. And, and gives them this, like, really hard sell of, you know, really intimidating. It, I mean, almost that cold kind of intimidation where it's like, you know, I'm just looking for an excuse. 
without actually saying I'm just looking for an excuse. But the characters know, the audience knows that this guy is, he, that's what he's doing. He's just looking for an excuse to stop them, to possibly kill them, or even worse. And so he gives them a head start to get out of the county. They, find, they figure out a route that will get them out of the county by sundown. Uh, the sheriff gives them a head start, and then so starts this tense, uh, low-speed chase sequence. As Atticus and the gang are trying to avoid giving the sheriff any reason to pull them over. Even though he's giving them every reason to do something to get pulled over. And we just get this really intense chase sequence with the, the real monster of the story, which is the sheriff chasing them toward the potential of freedom. Right. Well, and, he is a monster. Right. I, I, ar I, I arguably say that he is the worst monster in that episode. Even though there are monsters in that episode. Well, I mean, there's other... There's, there's other people who are pretty monstrous in that episode Right, as right. Well. But I, I, he's, he's, he's genuinely scary. I mean, there are other monsters that explode into violence and whatnot, but this guy is... is he's that kind of cold violence. Well, he also has authority. Right. As opposed to getting chased by townies. Right, and a fire truck. He's, he, he has authority and uh, he's done it before, so. Mm. And, and he's, he's done it before. And nobody cares. Right. So he's sanctioned, yes. And it's unfortunate. I mean, maybe it was done purposefully because one of the themes of this is that Jim Crow is the, the monster. Mm hmm. Um, and nothing that's hor there's nothing more horrible than living your life every day in constant fear right um, so so maybe scenes like that were more intense uh, purposefully than mm -hmm. the the monster sequence that actually happened um, but I kind of suspect that it was an executive decision to because that's where the budget went <laughs> to to really like drive home these monsters. It's Lovecraft country. We have to have monsters. I don't know. I thought the opening sequence kind of blew the, the blew the budget. That was that 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 opening dream sequence was one of the wildest things I'd ever seen. Jackie Robinson smacking Cthulhu with a baseball. That's bat. right. And it was that particular sequence. Um, was full of all sorts of references. You had the tripods from War of the Worlds. You had uh, Deja Thoris put in an appearance. Yes. And and the Big C himself to get smacked down by Jackie Robinson. Yes. But unfortunately, and, and maybe that's why the uh, monster scene sucks so hard. Right. I, I, I say the word weak and I'm being generous. 
um, because it kind of sucked, in my opinion. It, it did. It did. It, um, it did suck because now we know people uh, that are going to remain nameless. Who uh, so Atticus um, is right before the sundown sequence is uh, staring off into the woods. There's a rustling, and uh, uh, Letitia asks what that what it was, and he goes, "It's a shugger." Right, because he's that's what he's into, right? Right, that's that's what he refers. That you know, it's a, he's making a joke at Letitia's expense. Yeah, it's an offhand remark. Uh, it's kind of kind of funny that he chose Shuggeth because, as we have learned from At the Mountains of Madness, also reviewed by us, uh, the Shuggeths were a slave race. Mm-hmm. Uh, that revolted against the Elder Things. Neither here nor there. A little subtext, Easter egg maybe. So when the monsters finally show up, the internet goes crazy, and people are saying, that's not a Shuggoth. And it's and not meant to be, because they are right. never identified it's as such. It's not a Shuggoth. It's a point of reference from Atticus. George called them vampires, mm-hmm. because he noticed a tendency of them. He didn't say they were vampires. He said they're like vampires. Right. They shun light. Well, they also have this... Uh... Uh, another sequence that would be a spoiler that is also part of the vampire lore. Well, no, we won't. We won't even get into that. So you know, but when you actually look at the physical traits of the of the creature, right? They are closer to vampires than they are to sugar. I don't know. They just look like fucking monster dogs with with multiple eyes, which is another thing I had a problem with. But I'll get to that in a minute. People have lost their goddamn minds and their goddamn ability to critically think. Mm-hmm. And critical thinking doesn't mean that you are picking things apart and being negative. Critical thinking means, like, use your fucking head. Right. <laughs> you know that this character, Atticus, is into Pulp Fiction, into H.P. Lovecraft, and he hears a click in the woods... He's going to say something like, oh, it should have. He could have said, it's Migo. He could right. have said anything, right? It's a hound of Tendalos. Yes, exactly. Or it's a ghoul. Right. But they actually, they're kind of like ghasts. If you look into the uh, the Sandy Peterson book, they kind of look like ghasts. Mm-hmm. But with more eyes than ghasts have. Nonetheless, they're none of those things. Right. They're just a... Uh, uh, a supernatural watchdog created by uh, the the Waithrites. Right. The, the rich people uh, to guard their fucking precious secrets. That's right. They guard they guard Bruce Wainwright's cave. Yeah, that's all they fucking are. So calm down. They're not Shuggets. Right. They're not meant to be Shuggets. And, you know, just think for a minute. Sorry. That's my rant. No, no, that's a it's a it's a good rant because yeah, there's no reason on earth that these things should be called shuggoths because they're they're clearly not. I mean, if you look even more carefully, they're reworks of the wireframe of the Cloverfield monster. But you know, that's just me. 
Wow, J.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. He was an executive producer. Now, on to why... Free effects assets. <laughs> why the um, actual horror scene sucks so bad. First off, they fucking showed their hand way too early. Mm-hmm. You know, you get full-on visuals of these things, like almost from Jump Street. Right. Why? If you know, if you're gonna call your thing Lovecraft Country, take a little bit of a clue from the man. Right. <laughs> At least from from the actual like good that he did for literature for horror literature, which is less is more. <laughs> right. In terms of description. Not in terms of adjectives, but in terms of descriptions of monsters, less is more and Lovecraft really did that well. Right. There is there is little to no build up in this sequence. Um, we go from, you know, I mean, the, the tension broke uh, right bef- prior to this because this is almost immediately after the uh, sundown sequence. Uh, so that tension was already kind of broken. Uh, and you're right, they showed their hand a little bit early. There was no uh, foreshadowing. There was no building of mood here. It was just, you know, we're at... X point, and then all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Yes, and it, it was it was disappointing. Right. Um, so I and I don't think that you can really blame that on. Um, we want to show that Jim Crow and racism is a bigger monster than the monsters. Um, right. Well, the I, crossing I, I, over I, of the two sequences was kind of bumpy too because you know it was like we're going to do this and then whoa look at that switcheroo buddy but you hey know, look monsters yeah but you know it was it was really sudden like you said they tipped their hand early it was very sudden um and it became kind of the same type of sequence that you see in a lot of horror films zombie films sort of that sort of thing uh, chase through the woods, right. abandoned cabins, this sort of thing. Those are those are all spoilers, but I mean, this is a sequence that Pe- people, people are who, talking about right now. People who deserve to get um, their comeuppance get their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's it it gets it's it's sad because like everything else is trying to take these cliches and turn them on their heads. Mm-hmm. Um. In, in terms of how it's presented and who the protagonists are and how the world around them um, and does a fairly good job of it. Really good job, actually. And then boom, you get like the most generic of generic monster scenes. Right. Ever. Like, sorry. Right. Right. And, and it was also kind of like that sequence was supposed to be, the payoff of the episode. Yeah, yeah, and they could have... I mean, all, really... You could have almost had the exact same sequence, but just not shown the monsters. Show, like, dashes of things going across the camera screen, right? A sound, right? Mm -hmm. Or a little... A flick of of an arm or a fang or or something, right? Just, like, hints it. And then finally... Um, at the end of the sequence, when the car comes crashing through, then you reveal it at the end. Right. Right. Just for a second. 
but no, they didn't. They didn't right. do that. So or, right. or the the shot of George uh, when he realizes that the monsters are weak against light, and he passes the flashlight over, and it's just a close up of like the creature's shoulder or something, and it's just a bunch of eyes. You could have had that in a bush, you know, with yeah. the sheriff's deputies just passing their flashlights over, and they don't notice it right away. In yeah. fact, in fact, I'm going to plug another project that we reviewed fairly recently uh, that actually does this exact sequence better, and that is The Royal Heretic by Sarah Macklin. Uh, does this exact sequence uh, in a better way. So It's funny, I was going to say that even though the movie itself was, was a shitty... The one scene in Annihilation with the bear mm-hmm. was very similar, but mm-hmm. done so much better. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. And then we have episode two, which is a much slower burn of an episode. Um, I was coming into this episode, I was thinking that maybe they were going to split that opening tale into three episodes. Uh, but they, it's once it started picking up steam, it really started picking up steam. Um, and Atticus finds out a little bit more about his his heritage, his lineage, um, because that's something that his mother was looking into, uh, where where her people came from. And that and that really is kind of the major thrust of the story uh, of of the Lovecraft Country story in the novel. And that is pretty much all of it's wrapped up into that second episode. Yeah, so so the, the main theme is, you know, it takes that, that Lovecraftian notion of having uh, your ancestry uh, tainted. Mm-hmm. Right? And it turns it on its head. Um, right. Because, because Atticus has this, this uh, Wayne, Wayne, uh, brain white, right? Braithwaite. Braithwaite, sorry. Braithwaite ancestry. Um, and from their point of view, you know, he is polluted because he's black. To their but, perspective. Right. But from his point of view, you know, it's he never knew about it. Right. He's he's he is kind of one of them and he is able to use it to his advantage. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's kind of cool how they how they take like um, something like from uh, Shadow of Rainsmouth mm-hmm. and take that kind of a situation and flip it. Right, right. They reference House on the Borderlands throughout right. the episode, which I've never read. So right, um, you know, and it's also it, it's weird how how they kind of like the villain's plot is and. A reversed invocation of the one drop rule, right? You know, so so he's he's brought into this because he is, in their mind, a direct descendant of this Braithwaite cat who founded the the Order of the Ancient Dawn or the Golden something. Yeah, yeah, it's, whatever, it's whatever it happens like, to be. Yeah, it's like Alistair Crowley. And that's right. a, that's the thing is they're taking 
and and I really don't know how originally this whole. I guess maybe because these esoteric um, lodges from the turn of the century, well, the last century, mm. like the nineteenth to twentieth century, right, right, these wizard lodges became so um, it, so associated with Lovecraft when he never really wrote about them. His wizards were like inbred motherfuckers rape their kids right right those those were his idea of wizards and i you know but there's something there's something to be said about the 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 idea of the secret society and and them having some type of machinations to do whatever um no no and i get it and and you know it there's a rich tradition of using uh you know the the golden dawn the the was Crowley and, and Levi mm. their, their thing, you know, it was like weird Gnostic bullshit. Um, but you know, that there's a history of that in, in fiction as well. You know, Neil Gaiman, uh, the Sandman series opens up with, with basically that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Simon Necronomicon is basically geared toward that. Right. Right. So I, I just don't know how how that got part of of uh, the lo- the whole Lovecraft mythos thing. Because... Um, where where did the Church of Starry Wisdom originate? Uh, that uh, well, I mean, it it was Lovecraft, right? Mm, uh, yeah, yeah it's associated with Dagon and Innsmouth. I know that much. But, yeah, but it's uh, also associated with Providence mm-hmm. and Egypt from uh, from uh, the Haunter in the Dark. But even then, it's it's something that was from a really long time ago. It's it's been it's it's since gone underground at best. Well, not the the one the one in. Um, Innsmouth was still going strong, right, right. But uh, but even then, you weren't talking about um, upstanding white guys. You were talking about half-breed fishmen, right, right. But they were also the super wealthy. And in fact, one of the one of the better lines is, you know, my father and his friends would never associate with the clan. They're poor. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, yeah. snide. So, you know, it's kind of the whole the whole thing is also kind of a, a dig at, at, at the super wealthy as well. The old money types um, who engage in these kind of uh, almost hedonistic practices. You know, like there's the whole conspiracy theory uh, line that runs through uh, with like skull and bones. And and uh, there's some type of like uh, campground in California where all the super rich are supposed to pray to Moloch. And, uh, so, so you have that kind of thread mixed into it. And, and I think that's another one of the interesting things about how this show is, is adapting the book is that it does bring several types of, uh, modern fantasy essentially into a coherent story. So you have these, 
ancient, almost Gnostic types of occult sects uh, catered to by the, you know, the super rich doing their thing in secret and, and manipulating certain events and, and being essentially just horrible, nasty people. And then you have the more cosmic elements being brought in through Jim Crow being as the monster because that's existential horror, you know, in prime form. And then you get creature horror. Weak, weak creature horror. Weak creature horror. But, yeah, it does make me kind of wonder whether or not uh, the show is going to keep up with the anthology format or now that they've covered the main thrust of the novel, the first story. No, no they are. I mean, the next, tonight's episode is going is called Dreams in the Witch House, and it's going to be about uh, Trisha and her sister buying a house in a white neighborhood that's haunted. Ah, okay. By a racist ghost. Of course. I think I remember that. There was some... Uh, there was a bit of humor in that episode. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think they're, they're doing the book. I just don't know whether it's going to be a two-parter again or if they're just going to bang it out in an hour. Right, right. Well, you know, that's, they might do that. But, you know, just remember, she's Letitia fucking Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So overall, I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it again. Probably not tonight, uh, but I will watch it um, d- at some point during right. the week. Right. When I have a moment, um, you know, and I'll probably just continue watching it just for the hell of it. Right. Just just for the uh, completionist aspect to it. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's not bad. It's not like something like um, ah, Jesus. What was it of um, raising Dion? Mm-hmm. Where that that comic that came out was so damn good, mm-hmm. and then the they, the, the series the series, the series ended up just like screwing it all. I, I couldn't make it past the second episode. Right. Well, that's because that's because they took a good comic and turned it into heroes. Yeah. But uh, I, you know. I think I agree with you that uh, that I'll probably continue watching it. Maybe not like appointment viewing, but it might be one of those things where if I I'm kind of don't have anything to catch up on or anything like that, you know, flip it on, turn it on for a couple episodes, and and just kind of like half watch it because, as we said at the beginning of the show, this initial story cycle it was my favorite part of the book, and now for me that that's over. <laughs> they blew their wad. Yeah, but I think the novel. I think the novel. I mentioned uh, when we reviewed the novel that the novel kind of blew its wad in the first section. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, so I'm going to continue watching it. Um, I'm curious as to see how they how they adapt some of the things, mm-hmm. um, like that um, that gate room. Right. Remember. Um, in the observatory, they had that gate to different planets. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. Yeah, there's some really cool stuff in there. Uh, overall, I would say, yeah, it's well made, it's well written, it's well acted. Um, it's it's a quality it's quality TV, even if you haven't read the novel. 
Or yeah. even if you have read the novel and we're thinking about maybe giving it a pass, don't because it's a solid and faithful adaptation. And, and I'm, I'm glad that the, that the big horror sequence is over uh, and there's not really a lot more huge horror sequences mm-hmm. uh, because it sucked. Right. And if, if, the, if knowing, going in there knowing that, oh, if it was just going to be a horror anthology, I probably wouldn't watch it again because they handled that so poorly. Mm-hmm. But knowing that it's not a horror anthology, I think they're going to lose viewers because of that. Because mm-hmm. um, I could see it after tonight. I could see it right now. What the fuck, Lovecraft? Blah, 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 blah. This has nothing to do with goddamn Lovecraft. Um, from here on out, it's not horror. Like, the next the next um, story is kind of like a Henry... Or um, like yeah. a Henry... MR James kind of thing. Uh, there's definitely some um, some sword and planet kind of stuff coming up, mm-hmm. and or, or some classic sci-fi stuff. Um, I guess there's that the doll. There's a little bit of horror, mm-hmm. but the whole thing is not horror. You're like picking up a, a copy of Weird Tales and reading different kinds of stories right now, and that's what it's going to be. So if like you, if horror is your bag and that's it, you go away. You just saw the horror, right? Right. <laughs> but um, if, you, but if you are a fan of like pulp, just general pulp, whether it's the old horror, the old sci-fi, all of this stuff, you're gonna want to watch the rest of the series. You might even want to pick up the book if you haven't and and give that a look because because Lovecraft Country as a novel and if the series continues to uh, play out, and there will probably be two more episodes after you guys even hear this review, plays out like the rest of the book, it's going to be a love letter to the old pulp magazines and the old pulp novels. That is true. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Lovecraft Country. Definitely check out. check it out. Uh, at least the first two episodes. And, uh, yep, next time uh, we'll be talking about something else. In the meantime... Keep 30 luck points. And we'll see you later. Later.